the Mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to wake up Memphis. And good morning. Welcome to the morning show. It is January 23rd, a Tuesday, and all students from Memphis Shelby County Schools and all the suburban school districts around the county are finally back in class after, what, five snow days? If we started, what, Tuesday? Because last Monday was MLK Day. They had all of last week, so four days. They had Monday off yesterday because of the boil water advisory, which is still in effect, by the way, affecting thousands, I mean hundreds of thousands of MOGW customers, but they are back in school. That is so incredibly good. I mean, I, I know for the kids, they're probably getting stir crazy and imagine the poor parents out there. So a lot of people are going to be back out onto the roads this morning, which means we will be following traffic all morning long and you will need to take it slow as you head out this morning. It is raining and we'll see that rain continue through the morning, throughout the afternoon and into the evening and all week long, really. And that's going to cause some problems, not just for commuters this morning, but for the city, which is trying to get back to some form of normal. You have all of these water main breaks across the city. These pipes have burst. It's causing the low pressure that is still causing problems for a lot of homeowners across the city. You've got MODW, the president of, uh, of the company, Doug McGowan, saying in a press conference yesterday that the big concern this week is not the snow, not the ice, because we're over that. Thank God. It is going to be this rain. All of these torrential storms will be getting, and they're trying right now to to investigate Find where those pipes have burst, find where those water main leaks have erupted and fix them so we can get back to normal, right? Normal could be by Thursday when we can use our tap water again. Here is Doug McGowan at that press conference on some of the rain problems that we're facing. The only uh, hard part with the heavy rain is uh, sometimes the uh, finding water main breaks is a visual exercise. And so it's difficult when water is running down the street to pinpoint where that is. So the good news is that doesn't come in until later tomorrow. And so we'll be working very hard today and tomorrow in order to get into, uh, to get those identified. I think we'll have the bulk of them done by then. That is Doug McGowan, as I said, at a press conference on Sunday. Now, he will actually be in front of the city council later today around 3 o'clock to be discussing some of the infrastructure improvements that they're going to make that we don't end up in this place. I said 3.30, excuse me, that is 9.45 at their committee session this morning. Now at 3.30, that is going to be a huge day for the city council because the fate of C.J. Davis, our police chief, is in the hands of our city council. We'll jump into that story in one second. As I was just mentioning, though, he'll give an update on the infrastructure of our city to the city council. How can we invest in our infrastructure so that when we do get more severe weather like we'll get next year, it's going to happen. I know this is the Mid-South, but we still get storms. We'll be prepared. Take a listen to Doug McGowan. We have a plan to put about five new wells in, which will add more capacity. I think colder temperatures are here to stay, so we'll be talking about what we can do in the future to add new capacity to help serve customers, what recommendations we might have for customers to help with burst pipes and avoid those in the future. And on that note, I did want to give you this. Memphis Mayor Paul Young did extend the state of emergency that was issued last week. 
He did extend that for another seven days, citing the boil water advisory. Still people struggling to find bottled water. Um, WREG caught up to one woman looking for water going to the grocery stores, which is another story we'll jump into. There's nothing on the shelves, not just water, but milk. They're rationing it over at the Kroger in Germantown. Did you see that on our Facebook page? It blew up. Take a listen to this woman in town. She is a lady by the name of Erstein Young. She's trying to stock up on that water, but it is difficult. Cut 12. We're in the middle of a boil water crisis and you don't have any water? So that wasn't well either, but today I got two cases. Ah, Happy for Ernstein because she got that water. Yeah, I know. We don't have water. It's a crisis. But let's talk about 3.30 today in front of the city council. Police Chief C.J. Davis, it's a very simple question that I have for you this morning. And I want to hear from our listeners. You can call in, and here's our telephone number. Write it down, 901-260-5926. Number again, 901-260-5926. Now think for one moment. We pay her salary. And her job description is to keep the city safe. Now it's not her only job. She has multiple different jobs, and there are other people tasked with that responsibility as well. But she is the top dog, the executive of public safety in our city. And we pay her $280,000 a year to do that. Has she done a good job? And should the city council rehire her or fire her? And you have this say this morning, 901-260-5926. She should be fired. She needs to go. It's not like we're playing cutesy anymore. We are a city that is on fire. I mean, it is bad and it is only getting worse. And under her leadership, it continually gets worse. It's not like we've seen any of the statistics fall under her watch. And she will point to data and she will pull up a PowerPoint with all of these stats. But that's not the perception. And perception is reality. And I don't know, how can you spin our homicide rate of last year when we are a small city compared to cities like New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Baltimore, D.C., and we're beating all, I mean, the only one that has us topped is is Chicago. And that should not make you feel good this morning because they are a lot bigger than the Bluff City. And I'll take you back because we're going to be joined by Frank Colvett, who is a former city councilman, knows this topic very well because he's been in those discussions for a while. But let me jog your memory on what this looked like two weeks ago when they had a test vote on whether she would keep her job. Seven city council uh, members voted against her. Six of them voted to keep her. I think one of the most important and really critical moments of that vote two weeks ago was this exchange with city councilwoman Jerry Green. She actually took Frank Colvett's seat as he ultimately retired that seat. And she details why police chief C.J. Davis needs to go. It's not over the anti-policing ordinance, though the radicals on the city council, people like J.B. Smiley, they have issues with that. But it's the crime, crime that continues to rise under her watch. Cut 18. And I hear a lot about data. And I've said before that a vision without data is just a hallucination. But data alone is not a vision. And I've been looking for more from you for a vision on how to stop this crime wave. I ran 
in District 2, which covers Cordova, East Memphis, and Hickory Hill. That's a lot of different kinds of parts of Memphis. And to a person in the thousand plus doors that I knocked on, their issue was crime. Their issue was public safety. A lot of your accomplishments go to 2022. They don't mention that in 2023 we had record homicide rates. So to me, it means one of a couple of things. What happened with the ordinances, either the mayor told you not to follow them and you didn't listen to the mayor, which is an issue because Mayor Young's telling us, give everybody a chance because I'm the new mayor and they're going to listen to me. Or you didn't listen to the council. And so that's problematic to me, but it's not what I'm basing my decision on today. I'm basing my decision on what I heard on the doors, what I heard from the rank and file that I've spoken to. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the rank and file, not trusting this police chief, Pearl Walker, who is also an incoming city councilwoman. She's no Republican, but she is in the community. She is in Whitehaven, and she says she's talked to the rank and file. They don't trust C.J. Davis. That's a problem. That's a problem. Take a listen. Okay, thank you for that. Chairman Smiley, I have two more questions, but I'll be quick. The first one is the rank and file, a lot of them, they just don't support you. They don't like you. What is it? you feel you can do to improve relations with the rank and file? So I can do one or two things. I can discontinue creating policies and procedures that take our department to a higher level so that they will like me. (laughs) Or Oh, and I didn't say that to be funny, but that's why some of my officers are having problems. They're not used to discipline at a, at a level that our community and our council expects. They're not used to various policies and procedures that take our department to a higher level. And change is uncomfortable for them. And so it's easy for them to say what they don't like, but I know what is needed in a police department. And I think that I was brought here or I felt like I, I came here to make change and not to just keep things the way they they were. So yesterday was an interesting day and will prove to be critical for the vote taken today. 24 hours before this final vote, Fox 13 ran a piece. They found out that there was a closed door meeting at Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church with the new mayor, Paul Young, and Memphis and the MPA, Memphis Police Association. And after that meeting, the Young administration sent out a statement, and I'll read the following. Quote, the Memphis Police Association coordinated this meeting as a forum for their members to be heard by and to hear from Mayor Young. The meeting went well, and he greatly appreciated the depth and candor of the dialogue. He looks forward to this being the beginning of regular and ongoing communication with the officers who serve in our MPD. So this goes down a couple different ways. We could see some of those city council members change their vote. She needs the majority. Another possibility is that C.J. Davis resigns on her own. She was grilled two weeks ago. Does she have the stamina, the thick skin to stay on the job? Either way it goes, 
the city council will push forward and ultimately the fate of this police chief is in their hands. Now, if she does go, Mayor Young will have to appoint an interim chief until a permanent is selected. Now, I want you to go over to our Stop Memphis Crime page, which is nearly about 10,000 of you guys, all Memphians, Shelby Countyans, that are very vocal on our public safety. And we have a poll up there. Should Police Chief C.J. Davis be hired or refired? Question is very simple. About a hundred of you guys have already voted in that. I'm looking at the statistics and the polling in real time. 69% of you, 60 of you said she needs to go. I'm looking at those that want to keep the police chief. One person said we keep C.J. Davis. So go check out that poll and we will continue bringing you live updates on that throughout the morning. Our number again, you can have your say on our morning show, 901-260-5926, 901-260-KWAM. We'll be right back. Mighty 990 AM and online at Mighty990.com. KWAM. Does she go? Does she stay? That's the question in the morning. Rehire or fire the police chief? The city council expected to take that vote 3.30 today. Of course, we'll have live results in the morning. And you won't want to miss that. Working to get our city council folks on the morning show. Let me give you some behind the scenes of how you book a, a morning show. They love to come on the morning show when they're up for election. As a matter of fact, if you recall 2023, they were in our studio every other morning. It was like a revolving door of not only incumbents, but those wanting to sit on the city council. They end up getting their their elections. They win, and then they ghost a lot of times because they don't like to answer a tough question. That is frustrating, but I will say, in our arsenal, yeah, we have the bully pulpit of a morning show and KWAM, but we also have our Stop Memphis Crime page. And I will tell you right now, the city is watching that Facebook group because we are sharing stories and information that the Memphis Police Department will not tell you and the city council do not want you to know. Similar to the story where we learned that the city paid or we as taxpayers, we paid for 15 vacations of these people that go recruit potential Memphis police officers down on the beaches of Puerto Rico and we didn't get any of them. It cost us $50,000. They don't want you to know that. We're going to tell you. A couple other stories I thought just speaks to our crime problem in this city. We know that the latest trend are these thugs, thuglings, and thuglets. They go to any truck in 18-wheeler in the city, and they ransack them. What happened more over the weekend, Memphis police are searching for suspects who ransacked Amazon trucks near the Amazon distribution center overnight. This happened Monday night. And... It's interesting because this is the same distribution center where on uh, Thursday you had the jackknifed 18-wheeler that blocked traffic for hours. It's a mess over there. But the real story is now that these thugs know that there is a gold mine of, of treasures and packages, they're showing up there every night and ransacking these trucks. WREG caught up to one of the truck drivers who was there Now, this was not the truck driver who was the victim of a crime, but he was in the area and reacted to this. Take a listen here in cut number, um, Dylan, cut number 15. The company bypassed. 
I've been a professional driver since uh, 2016, and uh, I come to Memphis often. I mean, it is concerning. Uh, I mean, it doesn't affect me uh, personally, but uh, I mean, it, it, it does the industry altogether. Yeah, there's less people out on the roads, there's less people working, and uh, it gives them more of an opportunity to, 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 to target something. So that truck driver said he wasn't surprised that the thieves are taking advantage of this extreme cold weather. Unfortunately, this has been happening before we got hit with the ice storm of 2024. As a matter of fact, Fox 13 talked to another truck driver in that area and said his company is rerouting his routes to avoid coming through this city because the crime is so bad. Take a listen. The company bypassed me from coming to Memphis because of situations like that. So I saw a couple photos of this, and there's packages all over the road. I think one of those packages are mine, because that is story number three. And we're rolling through them. Where are our packages? It is day seven in this city, and still no mail. I want my mail. I ordered over a week ago, and this is going to sound very shallow, and I recognize that. Awareness is key here. But there's, there's a reason for this madness. I got these really cool high-top Nike shoes. They're vintage. They look like something my grandpa would wear. That's what we do now. We go retro. And they were supposed to be delivered last Tuesday. And I understand we got hit with some snow on Monday, so I'll be generous. Well, the snow came and the snow went. Then on Thursday, okay, fine, we got an ice storm. And some of our listeners, because we posted about this on our social media pages, said, you want to put these truck drivers in the postal service lives in danger by demanding you get your packages? Well, traditionally, what is the logo, Dylan? Pull that up for me because I don't want to butcher it. But the U.S. Postal Service, their whole mantra has been rain, shine, uh, tornado, hurricane. We're going to get you our mail. You will get your packages. And they're just not arriving here. So we posted it on our Stop Memphis Crime page and our social media pages. And you guys also are struggling. Do we have that? Dylan, get us with it. So neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor hail shall keep the postman from their appointed rounds. Sounds like a Bible verse. It kind of (laughs) does. What is that? Like Leviticus 14? (laughs) I don't know. So Bethany says, I've lived all over the United States and in foreign countries. The Memphis area has the worst mail service I've ever experienced in my life. Cecil says, so much for the neither rain nor snow, nor whatever else it says. (laughs) It's a good point. Deborah wrote this to us. LOL, they don't make them like they used to years ago. You barely get it on a sunny day. That's a great point because what are we dealing with now? Can they not deliver a package in rainy weather? Come on, put on the rain jackets, the rain boots, grab an umbrella and deliver me my Nike shoes because now it is the 23rd. It's the 23rd, right? Okay. Vivian says, none in Bartlett either. Roads are too icy. And should we risk their lives? Well, that would have been the case on Thursday, but now it is, it is Tuesday. And I want my mail. Where is our mail? Although it could be the case that as I looked at some of the images of this Amazon distribution center, you guys... The packages were shown all over the road. So are my Nike shoes on Holmes Road? Or does the U.S. Postal Service not operate like it used to? 
Are you guys experiencing this? Have you guys gotten your mail? Because if so, I need to talk to your guys. (laughs) 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-5926. It's not just the mail. As I said last, last segment, we're looking for water. We're looking for our packages. We're looking for milk. We're looking for meats. Grocery stores are running low on goods. You go to a grocery store. There's nothing on the shelves. Take a listen. Cut 13. People are frantic to just get the essentials in life. We knew that, you know, there, it was, the shelves were going to be empty. So, uh, and when we got there, I mean, we was like right before it hit, they were empty. Jonathan Munoz says when he went grocery shopping ahead of last week's snow, it was hard to get what he needed. So we stocked up <laughs> enough, but we just, we really just kind of just lived meagerly. It's not the groceries that are a concern. It's the bottled water, which Ernestine Young says she tried to stock up on last week. We're in the middle of a boil water crisis and you don't have any water. So that wasn't well either, but today I got two cases. I'm not asking for much. I'm a simple guy. I just want some milk. I want some water and I want my Nike shoes. I'm not asking for a girlfriend. I'm not asking for love. I'm not asking for a million dollars. I just want the essentials. Is that too much to ask? Is this just a Memphis problem or is this facing cities across the country? I'll ask the locals, you guys out there, give us a shout. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Former city councilman Frank Colvett joins the show up next. We're going to jump into a couple different agenda items that will be facing the city council. No bigger, though, than the reappointment of police chief C.J. Davis. We'll have that conversation on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. Is she going to be rehired or fired? That's the question we're all wondering. Of course, talking about police chief CJ Davis, who will be grilled again, I expect, in front of the city council at 3.30 today. Let's ask a former city council member, Frank Colvett, who is no longer going to be grilling the police chief, but I know he has some thoughts. So, Frank, welcome back to the morning show. First of all, are you surviving? And this boil water advisory, you're drinking all right? Ben, I, I am surviving. Uh, you know, we go through these things. Uh, all this uh, global warming uh, last week was uh, kind of rough, man, skating to work like that. I know. I know. I thought the same exact thing. We are going to have to get more snow plows because the opposite is happening. They tell us that we're going to burn our world up if we keep on driving regular cars and using gas stoves. But it seems to be doing the exact opposite, but uh, we'll, we'll continue following that and hit another story because uh, a lot of our listeners are very interested in how tonight goes down or this evening rather. And I want you to just give us kind of the the ropes of what could take place. There's a couple options. You have some city council members that change their votes, as you know, seven voted against keeping the police chief, six in favor of the police chief. Or what else happens? Does she resign? Well, Ben, and, and as always, thank you for having me on. Um, this is a tough vote because, you know, in all my time on the council, the police chief has always been grilled, even if they're loved or beloved. Um, in this case, you have a police chief 
that, you know, I guess when I compare her and I see folks like Doug McGowan, who is always there, always out in the public, always out working hard, you know, and then I see a police chief who who seems scripted, has yeah. is very stiff. And what I see happening is, is it will come back up in front of the council today, three thirty, the full council. And the way that works is, she needs to have uh, those seven votes. In other words, she needs to have one vote flip to support her. Now, if it fails, then. Technically, the mayor has no police chief. He has to declare the office vacant. Now, he could resubmit her, uh, but I think that's, you know, on a, a vote like this, I think the mayor has to be very, very careful. If Paul doesn't have all seven votes, and I mean locked in, mm. Pecker High Water locked in, he really needs to consider cutting bait. Now, there's another option on the table, and this is something the council has been, uh, it's a habit as of late. The council could put the vote, i.e. hold on that question, and kick it out another two weeks to see what's going on. Um, I don't, the rumor is that I've heard is, is that one vote has flipped and that CJ will get confirmed today. Uh, we're just not going to know, and I would probably actually say it's more like if the vote just can't flip, then they're going to hold it. Um, I, I think the least possible scenario is that the council votes and votes to reject her in terms of what could probably happen. I see a, a hold or it passing more probably. Really interesting that you compare leadership styles between the police chief and Doug McGowan because he is effective. He is a critical leader in our city and he's he's passed the test, really, if you look at how, how our lights have been staying on. I know there are some problems with our water pumps, but he has been transparent about that and has discussed ways that they're making improvements on that actively. Why do you think this is ending the way that it is for police chief CJ Davis, even if she does keep her job where the rank and file do not trust. What did she do? Was it the fact that she lost her gun? It was stolen from her car, not following the policing ordinance, though she says that she ultimately did that. What happened to her? Yeah, you you bring up a great point. Uh, She really fumbled that question of did she enforce the council's ordinance on preemptive stops? And did she try to throw former mayor Jim Strickland under the bus in the process? You know, she really fumbled as far as did she enforce it? Was she told not to enforce it? Was it kind of a wink and nod don't enforce it? And yet, interestingly enough, the Democrats, liberals on the council that pushed hardest for that ordinance are voting for her. That's the part that I find fascinating is that, you know, it's, it's, uh, we want this, but we're going to accept somebody who has blatantly said she's not enforcing it. So I, I, I'm kind of enjoying as a conservative watching our liberal friends, uh, it to be in such a huge pickle. But I would further say there's a leadership style at work here. And that is, and what's always impressed me about Doug is that he's not just a get it done and follow the steps. You see the ice on his 
boots, the snow on the bottom of his boots. You don't see him, you know, in a, a perfectly mm-hmm. creased suit all the time. You see him out there working, working hard, and making sure that everyone is aware of exactly what he's doing. You know, we just don't see that here. People want to know that their police care about them and that they're there to do a job. And scripted public events don't cut it. It just simply doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And Jerry Green, we played some audio. She is the new city councilwoman in your district. Um, and she said very similar. She's like, I see the PowerPoints. I see the data that you bring here. But the reality is we're not safe in our city. And, and that's not just perception. It is actual reality if you look at our homicide record. Uh, this story is maybe one of the problems facing the Memphis Police Department because they take a big old trip. The city of Memphis sent some employees down to the beaches of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And apparently it was to, and I remember. <laughs> they didn't invite me. They, why, ben, why didn't they invite us? You and I have gone down there and found somebody to recruit and hire. Well, because I don't know, Frank, unless you can rap out some Spanish real quick, you're not bilingual. Are you? I am not bilingual, and I would never approve a trip like that. <laughs> uh, we were, you know, when I was on council, we weren't informed of that. And again, it's just one more nail in the liberal coffin that they would spend 50 grand on what turned out to be an utterly ridiculous, pointless trip. And they're going to basically uh, rehire the person that oversees that. Frank, I mean, you look at it, you had 300 people, I guess the Puerto Ricans, show up to the job fair, which who who could blame these people? I mean, the catering bill was $15,000. Unfortunately, no one signed their name on the dotted line that they wanted, <laughs> that they wanted to leave the balmy breezes of, of Puerto Rico and come to Memphis, Tennessee. And if you look at who actually was sent on that trip, they sent several bilingual employees. Okay, sure. But none of those were the heads of their department. So I guess I'm not shocked that they didn't send their best, but it goes back to the priorities of this city. And there's no return on that investment. It's pretty appalling. Uh, I emphatically agree. And that's, you know, and as you and I talked so many times off the air uh, when I was serving, it, those are the kinds of things that made me just lose my mind. You know, again, it goes back to leadership. You can show us all the graphs and, and tell us you need this and this, you know, but at some point the buck stops with the leader. And in this point, what we need are more police officers. What we need is good leadership. And the mayor, Paul Young, now doubling down on C.J. Davis, you know, we've got to think also going forward, let's say Chief Davis passes. Let's say she she, she is up to uh, re-up to be police chief. Okay. You know, Mayor Young is now saddled with her. I mean, if you think about what goes forward and moves down the chessboard, how do you go forward with someone that was head of the police department during Tyree Nichols that had had her police, uh, her service weapon stolen? Okay. How do you move forward with that and the planning? And equally important, equally important, and this is our conversation for next time, what is her future plan? That's the part I've never heard in terms of, okay, you get the job, you keep the job. Now what are you going to do? 
How are you going to make us more safe? That I have not heard yet. I've talked to a lot of folks downtown Memphis, and they do not want to come on the station and go on the record, and I don't blame them because they want their leases renewed. And they say when you walk down Beale Street, and I live right off Beale Street, those officers are not being directed. And this is not an attack on MPD. We love our officers. But the the top brass, there is a vacuum in leadership where they send the sheriff department and the deputies down there, and those deputies are out for business. They don't mess. And I can't tell you how many times you walk downtown and you know, again, I'm trying to be careful, but those officers just seem a little bit directionless. And that is very similar to the things that have been shared with me off the record where these business owners, they want the officers to enforce the law. They're not babysitters. We don't have the luxury of that right now, but it goes back to, again, where is she going to take the department if her hide is saved? Um, last thing that I did want to address with you, and I know we're running out of time, and you mentioned that city council members will also get an update on Memphis light, gas, and water and their response to the recent winter storm. Here is Doug McGowan talking about how they will improve the water pump systems throughout the city, some of the recent investments they've made. He also adds the utility company is producing 20% more water compared to two years ago. Take a listen. We have a plan to put about five new wells in, which will add more capacity. I think colder temperatures are here to stay, so we'll be talking about what we can do in the future to add new capacity to help serve customers, what recommendations we might have for customers to help with burst pipes and avoid those in the future. How would you grade the response by Doug McGowan, the utility company, with this storm? Excellent. Think of it this way. We, we, the voters passed a half-cent sales tax increase. What have we gotten from the police? Because that's what it was for. We passed an increased billing in MLG and W. Doug is clearly stating the plan, the plan that MLG and W, the associates came up with, the plan that they are implementing. Equally important, if you are a policeman, do you feel like C.J. Davis has your back? Mm. If you are an MLG and W associate who has bought into this plan as part of this plan. Do you feel like Doug McGowan has your back? This is the difference in leadership, clearly. Now, is it perfect? No. Is MLGW perfect? No. Never will be. No business is. But he is out there clearly outlining the steps they're taking. He is showing the progress. He is keeping us up to speed. Look, my power didn't go out. Now, granted, Granted, the water is, the situation is very frustrating, but he telegraphed it. He let us know what was going on, and he has kept us all up to speed and is working the solution. Could not be a clear contrast in leadership styles and results. All right. Going to leave it there. Well said, my friend. Frank, get studying on that Rosetta Stone. Learn some Spanish next time they take a trip. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe they'll send us, my friend. (laughs) Well, sounds awesome. I've recruited before. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Frank Colvett, everyone, great former city council member and a great voice in this city. All right, we're going to take a break. More on the other side. Give us a shout, 901-260-5926. We see your comments rolling in this morning, and you'll have your say on the morning show when we come back. We have a story for you. 
a trans dude just won the females golfing tournament down in Florida. It's the NXT. It's the Women's Pro Tour, which ultimately, if this transgender golfer does well in and already won that one, will head to another tournament. The two Epson starts in a week if this dude named Haley performs well in that one. And ultimately, this dude is held heading to the LPGA, which is ironic because their whole mantra over at the LPGA is that they want to empower women golfers. He's a dude. And if you look at this guy, we'll jump into that story in one second because I have a lot of thoughts. And we have a follow-up. By the way, I was on Todd's Newsmax show. Have you guys been watching the N2 show over on Newsmax? It is so much fun. It's neat because it's a TV show, but Todd also simulcasts the last hour of the radio show, the Todd Starn show on N2. So you kind of get to see how the sausage is made, but then it transitions just over to a TV show in that fourth hour and I joined Todd and we discussed this story so check out that video it is on our social media pages but let me get to some of your comments on some of the top stories Mary is asking a very important question about Mailgate where is our mail no one has received their mail and it's been seven days I'm fired up about that she asked did you get your shoes mailed UPS UP USPS excuse me Amazon or FedEx we just started getting our mail this past Sunday. She does add, sorry about the shoes. Well, I pulled it up and I'm looking at my track package email and they're from Dick Sporting Goods. And so I hope, again, they're listening this morning. They've been held up at the Olive Branch Processing Center. This is FedEx. This is a FedEx truck that is going to deliver these Nike high top shoes. Again, it was supposed to arrive last Tuesday it now says January 22nd. Well, it is now the 23rd, and it's still an olive branch. So it is FedEx that will deliver those shoes, maybe, if they don't get their their packages stolen by these thuglings. Dana writes this about the police chief. Quote, the next police chief will have the same problem C.J. Davis is having. I'm curious about what the specific problems are that she's not able to overcome or out of her control. That's a really good question. And I have thought, if she goes, who will be the interim and who will be her permanent replacement? It always can get worse. But we have to understand, this is a woman that's already been fired. She was the police chief down in Atlanta, and she was a disaster. Scandal after scandal. She comes to Memphis, scandal after scandal. So we could talk about the scandals, but I think the bigger issue is her leadership style. I mean, she was a diversity hire. I know no one wants to say that, but she was. I mean, police, uh, the former mayor, Paul Young, uh, Jim Strickland, excuse me, getting my mayors mixed up. He said, we want a black woman to lead the department. Now, I'm not saying a black woman couldn't lead the department, but she isn't doing a good job. And frankly, I don't care what skin color they are or what gender they have. Just do the best job and I'll be content. But we are a city that operates on racial quotas. I mean, look no further than the county clerk, Wanda Howard. Need I say more? Chris writes this. The buck stops with her. Her referring to the police chief. She is weak and not a think-outside-the-box thinker. Now, Chris raises an interesting point, and Chris is from Tipton County. And what we need to do is steal their police chief, Shannon Beasley. That guy doesn't mess. 
He doesn't care what the activists think over in Tipton County. The ones that get upset, if we start arresting these young thuglings down on South Main Street that are breaking into all of these businesses, and we can't even implement a curfew because I guess that is, I guess, racial. It's ridiculous. Dana also adds they should recruit and out of they should recruit out of New York and California. People can't afford to live here and they are leaving for financial reasons. Van writes a point that I just raised. Mayor Young wants to keep CJ Davis for one reason. Fill in the blank. DW writes terminate with cause immediately. Mm, strong words by DW. You could go to our Stop Memphis Crime page, because there's a poll up there where we're asking you, should she be fired or should she be reappointed? And overwhelmingly, you have voted to fire her. Okay, let's jump into this story. So you've got this dude, big old guy, but he goes by Haley now, because I guess in 2015, he underwent the transgender surgery, though it didn't do, the surgeon did a terrible job, because he is a big old boy. So he is out on the golf course. He wins this NXXT match down in Florida. And a lot of people are very upset and pushing back against this league. Why are you allowing a dude to compete against women? They have a biological advantage. Duh. Well, and Dylan, we don't have time for this audio, do we? We'll play it on the other side of the break. That's what we'll do. How about that, Dylan? Because it is good audio. And what she says, or he says, excuse me, I'm looking at some of the copy by some TV stations and they use her preferred gender pronouns. But the dude all but confesses in a, a interview that we have and we'll share with you at the top of the hour where he says, I understand I have a biological advantage, but I feel this way. And because I feel like a girl, I should be able to compete with girls, despite the fact that my legs are 10 times longer than theirs. Their swing is much more powerful than females. I I know there will be some feminists that take issue with that, but take an issue with science because that ultimately trumps your feelings. So on the other side, we'll have that story. Also, you think crime is bad here and it is very bad. But Oakland, California, they can't keep a business open. They're in and out. Their last in and out in that town just packed up their shop and moved out of town. Why? Because they are stealing every one of the cars outside in the parking lot. It is a reminder that Memphis can always get worse. So let's not let that happen. Maybe it starts with the new police chief. 901 It's time to wake up Memphis. And welcome back to our number two late to begin the show because we have big breaking news. I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath. All right. Tell me everything is okay. No, it's not a, a, a scandal in the KWAM broadcast center. No, it's not a thug breaking into our building. We've got mail. FedEx just showed up outside and I barely missed. I barely made the show because I saw the FedEx truck and I thought it was my shoes. Unfortunately, it wasn't my shoes. But it's a package for Todd Starnes, wow. who has also not got any mail recently. This is good news. This is this is a start in the right direction because now I can say we've had day seven of no mail, and we just got a package from FedEx. Uh, Dylan was screaming at the top of the steps. This <laughs> studio is upstairs, and I was down in the lobby, and she's, 
can you sign your name? I said, I don't have time. I have to jump upstairs and do this radio show, but please give us that package before it gets stolen. So, Todd, I have very good news for you, my friend. Station owner, you just got your first piece of mail in over a week. Shall we get the show started? Let's let's do it. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, among other big headlines happening, New Hampshire. New Hampshire, where Nikki Haley is hanging on by a thread. She says this is her last. Well, she's not saying this. She said it's a two-man race between her, Donald Trump. Well, she is right because Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race. And we do have some early votes coming in as we start the show. I guess folks in the Granite State were voting overnight because according to some news breaking this morning, Nikki Haley wins the first town in the Granite State, New Hampshire, in the Republican primary. It's a place called Dixville Notch. Six people live in the town, and all six of them voted for Nikki Haley. So, Team Nikki is running with that headline this morning. I saw her team. She is very excited about this because all six people voted for Nikki Haley. Now, she has an uphill battle because I jumped on and looked at some of the polling. Now, the most credible polling comes from the Boston Globe. They released their Monday morning poll. They looked and surveyed over 500 likely GOP primary voters in New Hampshire on Saturday and Sunday. And it found that Trump is winning by double digits. It found that Haley received a backing of 38.2% of the respondents, while Trump received 57.4% of the votes. 1.6% said someone else. Maybe those were Ron DeSantis voters that are still upset. By the way, I'm upset with Ron DeSantis. So he endorses Trump on Sunday as he's dropping out, but did have to make a a snarky comment about, though I would do things differently as an executive, not promote Anthony Fauci and not lock down the country. Stop it. You're a sore loser. Now get out and stump with the president. We have a country to save, Ron. Put your ego in a box and get out there and stump with the president because all of these other former contenders like a Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Doug Burgum, they're doing that. And it's really frustrating because Ron DeSantis has resorted back to his social media pages. And that was the issue with the, the Ron DeSantis campaign is he spent more time on X as opposed to getting out in front of adversarial media and he did not engage the voters. He tried to in Iowa and some of these primaries, but just didn't move the needle for Ron DeSantis. So yesterday, Politico runs a piece, and I'm pulling it up real quick. I have it in my stack of papers, and it says all you need to know about this guy. And it was really disappointing to see, and I hope that the Ron DeSantis supporters ditch this guy if Ron DeSantis continues to play sore loser. So the headline from Politico read, Some Florida Republicans want taxpayers to pay Trump's legal bills. And Ron DeSantis retweeted that story and wrote the following. But not the Florida Republican who wields the veto pen saying, basically, we're not going to help Trump in his legal battles in Florida. Well, you should, because they've been weaponized against the 45th president of the United States. Shame on you, Ron DeSantis. We're going to talk more local and national politics at 835 with my good friend Andy Hoosier out of the state of Kansas. Good friend. But I wanted to revisit the story that we teed up and ran out of time. And it's about the trans golfer dude, guy by the name of, I don't know what his dead name is. Everybody, I guess, has a dead name. I don't have a dead name. But I guess if I were to transition and become a girl, my dead name would be Ben and I would go by Betty. But again, that's never going to happen. So Haley 
wins this tournament match against a ton of girls down in Florida. Well on his way to the LPGA. He sits down, does an interview because he's perceived a lot of backlash. I mean, imagine for one second if that was your daughter. All of her life, she's spent it on the, the golf course. She competes down in Florida at the NXXT tournament match that happened last week and gets beat by, beat by a dude. You would be pissed. And we should be. So he sat down with a Brit, British reporter and answered a tuple, couple tough questions. Take a listen to it. Of all the shots that she has hit over the years, Hayley Davidson never expected to find herself at the center of a political storm around transgender athletes competing against women in elite sport. For a lot of people, because you were born a man, mm-hmm. you clearly have an advantage. Mm-hmm. Do you accept that? Honestly, I, I 100% agree. You know, the men do have advantages. Um, you know, say you get a trans person on hormones for a year, no surgery, nothing. Good. Of course, they're, for the most part, they're, yeah, they're going to have an advantage. That's I don't the dude, believe by trans the way. people should be banned from sports, but I do believe there need to be guidelines in effect. Why do you think people have such a big problem with you competing in women's golf in particular? Because you're a dude. I don't understand it. I don't get what the, the fear of me, one person is doing the 31 year old who was the first male-born golfer to win a professional women's event is speaking out exclusively after revealing she's received a number of death threats just days after winning this women's tournament are you worried about your safety a little bit yeah i I don't go out and do a ton much because of that i'm not you know going out at night you know I, i watch myself when i sit in a restaurant you know i'll always have my back to a wall three years on from her gender reassignment surgery and Haley's determined to keep going and hopes to one day qualify for the Scottish Open. I went out. How is that real? We're living in a joke world. Even sounds like a dude. Dude, of course. She has a lower voice than me. <laughs> oh. like, dude, with all due respect, work on it. I'm not saying to continue your cosplaying shenanigans, but at least, I mean, take a page out of Caitlyn Jenner's or Bruce, whatever you want to call Bruce, uh, he's made his rounds on Fox News. I guess Bruce Jenner is a contributor on Fox now. And he reacted to this. I don't have the audio, but he said, listen, when I'm asked to play in a league and it's with women, I do not play because I have an advantage. As a matter of fact, and I'm relying on my memory, he said, my leftovers be the female's best. And it's unfortunately true. I know we have some feminists in the audience that is going to be very upset. But it would be like me. I win every race that I run. Now, the caveat is the people that I beat are always women. I have never been beat by a woman. <laughs> Except to St. Jude in the marathon because I, had, I, I actually fell on the ground. But every other race that I run in this city, I don't always come in first place. But I do come in first above women. Now, why is that? Not because I'm some spectacular runner, but because biological men have an advantage over females. The same way that biological females have advantages over biological boys. It's science. Now, what's interesting is the tournament, the NXXT Women's Pro Tournament, they released a poll because they are getting all hell to pay for, for allowing this dude to compete with all of these girls. And they're now asking all of the women in the tournament a couple different questions. And I'll read what they released on their website. 
Quote, in light of recent events, we've initiated a poll among our tour players to gather their opinions on our gender policy. We believe it is vital to consider the perspectives of those directly affected by these policies. Then they go on to say, furthermore, to maintain the integrity of our standards, we've requested that the dude, they don't say that, they say Haley, undergo additional testosterone testing to ensure compliance with appropriate guidelines. So basically, if they test him and he has he's pumped full of testosterone, well, it would make sense because he is a biological boy. He cannot compete. Good on them. Shame on them for even allowing him in the tournament to begin with. But if you look at the LGPA, they removed its female at birth requirement back in 2010. So in theory, this dude continues playing good golf He's going to be in the LPGA, which would be a first for that tournament, and it's all their fault. Now, for the girls in the NXXT tournament, they have a decision to make. Are they going to do what's best for them, best for their sports career, or are they going to bend in the sake of political correctness? It's so frustrating. At minimum, there should be a new league just for transgender people. Now, I'm not saying we do that. I don't think we should do. I don't think we should normalize this behavior. But to erode and demolish a thing called women's sports is is a shame. But they've done that. So we've got to get rid of women's sports altogether. It should just be sports. Because they're allowing anybody in there. And this is frustrating for those girls. I can't even imagine. Think of think of that if that was your daughter. What would you do? Of course the guy's getting death threats. It's probably the dads of these girls that worked all their lives to score and, and do well in their golf games and, and get the big trophy. But they're unable to do that because they're competing with boys. It's a joke. All of it is a joke. Moving on to another story, in and out they are packing up their shops because crime is so bad in Oakland, California. Here is some audio that we played last, uh, the, the Todd Starn Show played it yesterday. Take a listen to this report by one of the local TV stations on the crime crisis facing California. In and out Burger says it'll close its Oakland restaurant and the company says crime in the area is to blame. The Oakport Street restaurant is located in a strip mall off I-880 at the Hagenberger Drive exit. It is the only in and out in Oakland. This location opened 18 years ago. Now the company's said business was good and profitable, but the safety of its customers and employees there was in jeopardy. In and out sent me a letter explaining the decision, saying there are regular car break-ins, property damage, theft, and armed robberies. The last day of business will be Sunday, March 24th. I spoke with a longtime customer of the In-N-Out who says in recent years he has had to take precautions. I would do like, I think a lot of other people are starting to do, just leave your windows down. You know, like the, at least you won't walk away with a broken window. Now, in March of 2023, Raising Cane's, which has a restaurant in that same strip mall, switched to drive-through only in response to car break-ins in the parking lot. In that letter from In-N-Out's chief operating officer, he writes, Our top priority must be the safety and well-being of our customers and associates. We cannot ask them to visit or work in an unsafe environment. Mm. Now... They can't do that here in Memphis because I think they've tried that where if they were to, you heard the Raising Cane's 
scenario where their new policy is they just do drive through only. That happens here. But if you look at our Popeye friends, every single day we see a story where the drive through driver just pulls up to the window, points a gun at the cashier, jumps through the window and steals the... Th- so there's still going to be criminals breaking laws. You can do what you want, but at the end of the day, you can't change a criminal. Is that a terrible thing to say? Maybe. We're going to take a break. What's so funny is there's a lot of people, the NAACP in Oakland and all of these radical activist group, upset it in and out because they are creating food deserts. There's going to be a food desert. Where are people going to get their double-double? Uh, and we need good corporate citizens. Look at CVS and Walgreens. They've done the same thing in D.C., Baltimore, and Boston. They keep on taking their shops out of these crime-ridden zip codes. And they're upset at the corporate businesses because they're creating food deserts. And they want to punish the corporate leaders. They'll punish the criminals and there will be no food deserts. What choices does in and out have if they cannot keep their doors open because you refuse to treat criminals like criminals? 901-260-5926. Is it that simple? Is it that difficult for these people to understand that? And why won't they crack down on crime? Maybe that's the question I should ask you. Why is it that these Democrats are hell-bent on destroying U.S. cities? Thought-provoking. 901-260-5926. Give me a call. We'll be right back. Mighty 990. 107.9 FM. 990 AM. K-Wham. We still are under a citywide water boil advisory that has not been lifted though the conservation of your water advisory has been lifted so you can use as much tap water as you want but you have to boil it that is the word coming from MOGW Methodist South Hospital actually has had to bring in water tankers to help with their operations take a listen to the doctor Dr. Octavia Stafford speaking to WREG We use water for consumption, you know, giving medications, and then a lot of our medical equipment requires water, like um, hemodialysis, also to prepare food, toileting, all the things that you need water at home, um, it is the same situation in hospitals. We're committed to taking care of our patients regardless of the situation, and that includes inclement weather. So with that, it's essential that we're we're able to find a plan to continue what we do best, which is, uh, like I mentioned, to take care of our patients. Memphis Mayor Paul Young has extended the state of emergency that was issued last week for another whole seven days. He is citing the reason for that being that boil water advisory. And again, I checked with our friends over at MOTW. They said by Thursday, we could get that back going where you can actually consume your water without having to boil it. But again, a lot of people across the city like Ernstine Young is trying to track down that water. It's very difficult. Take a listen. Cut 12. We're in the middle of a boil water crisis and you don't have any water? So that wasn't well either, but today I got two cases. So happy for Ernstine. Hope all of you are surviving with the water crisis in our city and we'll be following that throughout the rest of the week. As soon as that water boil advisory is lifted, you will be the first to know. So stay with us. You can do that by going to our website, kwamradio.com, or just making sure you have our free KWAM app. We'll jump on and share that news with you. Got a crisis. 
Because on one hand, we live in a world where women want to be feminist. Equal parts. On the other hand, these women like men to pick up the bill. You can't have it both ways. Can you? Can you have it both ways? And I've got a story in front of me. This guy who goes by the name Waterboy. He is on TikTok and a, a pro, uh, released a video where he went on a date. I guess, according to this report by Fox News, he had met this girl on Tinder. They swiped right on each other. They matched and a conversation ensued. So they go to a restaurant for their first date. She goes crazy with the appetizers, <laughs> which is always unfortunate. You know, it's your first date. You don't know if there will be a second date. But traditionally, our, our traditions have taught us that guys typically pick up the bill. But what do you do when there's an attack on tradition and there's an attack on men being in some way superior when it comes to the pocketbook? I'm sorry. That's just the reality or how it has been in years past. So we asked the girl to split the bill on their first date. And it has a lot of people upset. So we're going to take it to our great KWAM listeners. And they're going to settle this once and for all. Take a listen to this exchange. Tinder date was mad that she had to split the bill. What'd you say? Why are we splitting the bill? Well, I mean, it's our first date, so I thought we should maybe go half. I can't believe you made us split the bill. I mean, you ordered an appetizer that I didn't even touch. Why do you think that I should okay, pay for Okay, but you asked me out. I know, but you ordered something you that I did. You asked me out. All right, I'll just take you home and... All right, see ya. Hello? She's Hello. getting out of the car. See ya. She's done. So a lot of people got really upset at the dude, the Miami dude, because he's in Miami, because he posted that video with the caption that read, um, this is what dating in Miami is like. His words, exactly. I got to move somewhere else. These girls are entitled. A lot of people said, well, if you were calling it a first date, you should have brought flowers and you should have picked up the bill. If you're not picking up the bill, it's really just friends going out for a dinner. Dylan. There is no right or wrong answer because we've got to get through this together. I have more thoughts. This is interesting. Yeah. He did ask her out on the first date. And a lot of people are a lot of people say if you ask the person out, then you should be the one that pays for it, whether it's the girl or the guy. But also <laughs> the fact that she ordered a bunch of food and didn't eat it is like impolite. And I don't know. I'm kind of torn between this. I don't know who to pick here. So on the video, he released another one, and he shared more side. Uh, he, he said there's more to this story, and there are always two sides after got, getting so much blowback for this. He said his point of view was that, quote, women aren't acting like women anymore. So why should men have to act like men and embrace the traditional gender roles that are assigned to them? He adds the girls that he has dated don't want to take care of kids. They don't want to cook for their husbands. And they aren't nurturing anymore. Therefore, why should he be expected to act like it's the 1950s? That's the other side of the story. Interesting. You can't have it both ways. This is true. They the, want the men two to act. Make a right. Yes, always. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of us is in a relationship, this and it's true. not me. And that is exactly why. <laughs> Listen, 
if you do not want to embrace traditional gender roles as a female, then you cannot expect the dude to embrace the 1950s traditional gender roles. You know, pick up your own bill. That's how I see it. 901-260-592. And maybe for the female, don't order 14 different tapas plates. <laughs> Go to McDonald's and settle it once and for all. Speaking of, I've got a story in the stack. We'll share it with you in about 15 minutes. Minutes. A Wisconsin mom gives birth in a McDonald's parking lot. And she named it. I'm not making this up. She nicknamed the baby McFlurry. <laughs> we'll have that story on the other side, but we're going to check in. The Granite State, a big primary underway, voting throughout the day. We'll check in with our good friend Andy Hoosier and break that down on the other side. Don't go away. at 990 AM and 107.9 FM and online at Mighty990.com. This is the Mid-South's Conservative Blowtorch, KWAM. Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com. All right, let's jump into it. Oh my goodness, Dylan's getting in some trouble. Great answer. And that last question, I th- does a guy pay for the first date, even though girls don't act like they do anymore? They want to be independents. They want to be co-equals. We got into the story. We're not going to do it again. But Dylan's future mother-in-law was listening to the segment and, and made sure she made it very clear to Dylan that the dude pays for the girl's meal on a first day. And I agree. And, and he agrees. He's like, did I, did I answer that well, Ben? <laughs> yes, you did. I sounded like the bad guy. You sounded like Prince Charming. So great job on that, Dylan. And yes, you're right. Mrs. Dylan's mother-in-law, he always will take care of your sweet little girl. Mm. All right, let's move on to some harder news. Go to our phone lines. Andy Hoosier. He is a national radio talk show host and host of the Voice of Reason. He joins us by phone this morning. Andy, what say you? I mean, listen, it's perplexing anymore because traditionally... Guys have paid for the dates, the first one anyhow, but anymore, girls don't want to act like it's the 1950s, but they expect the guy to act like it's the 1950s and follow those traditional gender norms. Yeah, yeah, they don't like when we offer it right off the bat, but they kind of want us to just backhanded. Or my wife on our first date, she actually made our dinner for the first date. So that was, you can either do it one way or the other. Either we pay for it if we go out, or they can make it. And that was pretty special, too. That was your first green flag, as the cool kids say, because she she made you a meal. And anymore, that is patriarchal to enjoy a meal cooked by your wife. Um, And so I guess you knocked it out of the park and... And you're better for it. So <laughs> glad we That's got right. that squared away. Let's talk some politics. And we'll start with what's happening down at the southern border. The Supreme Court rolling in favor of the Biden administration over razor wire put up by Texans at the southern border. SCOTUS is saying that the federal government has the right to remove anything obstructing illegal immigrants from entering that our nation. The only question now, Andy, is whether Texas will defy the Supreme Court and will they stand with their people or with the federal government? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Look, that was mind-blowing to be able to see a Supreme Court decision like that. And what the Supreme Court's trying to do is go back to what the duties of the Constitution are, which the duties of the Constitution say the federal government should be handling foreign policy immigration issues. So the federal government should be handling who's coming in and who's not coming in. So from that logic, you're like, okay, you know what, state of Texas, you're not allowed to be putting up this barbed wire because that goes against your duties compared to what the federal government's supposed to be doing under a concept of federalism. The problem and the flaw with that argument is the fact that the federal government's not abiding by their end of the deal. So if they're not following through with their end of the deal in federalism, then the states are supposed to take up that role and do what they have to. And in, in, a, in a case of an invasion or whatever may be happening to their state that's affecting them personally. So I hope the state of Texas defies that law. I hope that they continue to put up that barbed wire and they continue to find, you know, put the buoys in the water or do whatever they have to do to try and stop that flow of migrants because yeah. the federal government's not doing what they're supposed to do, and that's problem number one. And, I mean, the Biden administration has rolled out a nice template for Texas to follow. I mean, look at the Supreme Court. They ruled that the student loan forgiveness program of this administration was deemed unconstitutional, and what did Biden do? He snubbed it. So Texas needs to snub that decision and hold the line, Andy. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, welcome to 2024. We're right. in absolute chaos right now. And we knew that was going to happen. I, I said early on that strap in, buckle up, and watch, you know, pop the popcorn, because this year's going to be a fun one to watch. And it's already starting off that way, where if they can defy laws and do whatever they want to do through executive power, then why are the states not able to do that as well? Because constitutionally, theoretically, we're supposed to be sovereign states that have allowed the federal government to perform certain duties, and the federal government's failing miserably on what those duties are. All right, let's talk some Iowa. Uh, I'm stuck on Iowa. Iowa is over. New Hampshire is right here. And this is interesting because I looked at some polling before we jumped on. The Boston Globe NBC Suffolk University poll released came out over the weekend. Well, Monday morning, they polled over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, found that Trump is doing mighty fine in New Hampshire. Um, right now, looking at the polling, Trump received 57 Point four percent over Nikki Haley, thirty eight point two percent of the support there. This is a state, though, Andy, that she has put a lot of her eggs in. And what happens if that basket breaks for a Nikki Haley? Well, she says, according to an interview she did with Fox News yesterday, she said that she's going to stay in it for the long haul, which, you know, if that's what she wants to do, that's her prerogative. That's fine. And honestly, I like that to a degree just to give the choice more for a psychological experiment within the Republican Party, but you're right, it's over. I mean, Donald Trump dominated the Iowa uh, caucuses. He's going to dominate the New Hampshire primary. He's way ahead in South Carolina, which is going to be the next one right around the corner. So we, we already have the assumption that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. But imagine this, Ben. I mean, this is a good position for Republicans to be in, isn't it? We, we, we are so unified, at least to such a degree, that we, for the most part, know who we want to have as our Republican nominee going into a general election so we can start sifting resources to that mindset to focus on Joe Biden and the Democrats as opposed to bickering and beating each other up amongst ourselves, which is what Republicans are really notorious for doing, is harming ourselves more so than focusing on the, uh, the enemy and the Democrats. So we're in a good position that allows the Trump administration, that allows the campaign to start focusing on widening their base, to getting into communities that normally may not vote Republican, like the African-American community that's upset with the Biden administration, the Hispanic community that's upset about the border issues right now, the Jewish community that's upset about the Democrats not standing for Israel. There's so many demographics that are toppling from the Democrats right now 
that we have a major opportunity to win them over. Let's focus resources there and think of this as a general election now. And Nikki Haley can do what she wants to do by staying in the race and giving Republicans another alternative, which is fine. We're, we're the wicked, wild, free thinkers on the Republican side. We're not the top-down, unified voices like Democrats are. So if she wants to do that, fine. But we, we, we're kind of in the assumption now that Donald Trump's got this in the bag. Yeah, I wanted to get your reaction to some audio from Nikki Haley. She says that she is not going to be Trump's VP. There are some people that say maybe that would be a good idea, pick up those moms in the suburbs, some of the independent flank of the voting demographic. Take a listen to this in cut number four. We're on. Martha, I'm running to win this race. And as much as everybody wants to talk about what I'm going to do, at some point, y'all are going to realize that I won this race, and you're going to have to accept when I say I told you so. It is slow and slow. He wins the race. I've done this the entire time. We're going to finish it. I don't want anything else. I don't want anything else. I'm running to be president. I'm not going to pull out because somebody wants to be coronated. I'm not going to pull out because they think that I shouldn't be there. The political class has never thought I should be here. In South Carolina, in Congress, at the U.N., no one has ever thought I should be here. And that's exactly why I should be here, because I'm fighting for normal people. And I'll always do that. And she said in that video, she said the D.C. establishment thinks someone else should be coronated. Nikki, newsflash, you are the establishment or in the minds of a lot of voters that are Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, she is that mainstream establishment alternative from Donald Trump. And whether she recognizes it or not, she's got, look, she's, she's got to play the part on the campaign trail. So she's got to talk about the optimism. You've talked to a lot of candidates going into election season, and they may be down sitting at 5% of the, the approval going into the polls, and they'll come on and say, oh, yeah, the campaign's great, looking forward to winning tomorrow kind of thing. And that's where she's at in her mindset right now. She's got to stay positive, but the numbers don't show that. I don't see any poll right now in any individual state that show that she's actually leading over Donald Trump. So... She can be that great alternative, and we can use that as the psychological experiment to show maybe who to choose for the VP for Donald Trump to win those voters over, because we'll always have those never-Trumpers that no matter what, Donald Trump's the most evil person on the face of the earth. But there are some that say, we have to do something to keep Joe Biden out. How do we win them over that may be on the fence to support Donald Trump or not? And that's how we can use Nikki Haley, but... Uh, she, she's trying to stay as optimistic as she can, and it, it's looking a little silly because I don't see a single poll that she's actually beating Donald Trump. And you look at the endorsements that the former president is racking up. It's not looking good. I know at a rally yesterday, he had Tim Scott, I believe. Lindsey Graham was even out there. Vivek Ramaswamy. Here is Vivek leading chants at a Trump rally last night. Quite the dynamic duo, Trump and Vivek. Take a listen. If you want to seal the border, vote Trump. If you want to restore law and order in this country, vote Trump. If you want to defeat the deep state, vote Trump. If you want to fight inflation, vote Trump. If you want to revive national pride in this country, vote Trump. If you want to revive our national identity in this country, vote Trump. If you want to make America great again, vote Trump. That's how we're going to win this in a landslide in November, like Reagan delivered in 1980. So a lot of enthusiasm you heard in that room. I don't have a lot of time to play this audio, but I'll get your reaction. Trump was on Fox News. He has not announced, obviously, who his VP pick will be. He says it's going to be someone that won't shock a lot of people. Do you have any ideas who number two could be? Or the follow-up to that is who should he pick? 
Yeah, there's so many names that have been thrown out there from Vivek Ramaswamy, which I love Vivek. I was a big fan of his, but I don't know that uh, he really widens that base for Trump. Uh, I mean, he wanted to talk about a female before, so whether it is a Carrie Lake uh, or a Christy Nome or uh, maybe a Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I don't know who it's going to be right now. But uh, right now he is in that prime spot to find the perfect team for him to not only reinforce the MAGA movement with those that are already supporting Trump, but try to widen that base. I mean, look, whether we like or dislike Mike Pence before, he was kind of the, the yin and the yang to, to Donald Trump, so to speak. That, that I think helped him in the campaign back in 2016, and he's got to find somebody that I think does that as well, that complements him perfectly on the campaign trail going into the White House. All right, going to leave it there. Andy Hoosier, he's excellent. He is the host of the Voice of Reason show. You can find out more at HoosierReason.com. HoosierReason.com. Thank you for checking in, and we'll catch up soon. Always fun, Ben. Always appreciate it. All right, appreciate it. All right, have you guys been over to Genesis in the new year? Because my friends over at Genesis Diamonds are psyched. They are hyped up for your 2024. They've got lots of great things happening. They're ready to help you celebrate those important milestones with better value, higher quality, and un- an uncompromising customer care. I know this personally because I had a good friend just go in there with their boyfriend. Not an engagement ring yet, but it's close. And they are walking the couple through the process Genesis also has lab-grown diamonds of the highest quality at prices way below what you see at other jewelers across the city. Plus, they also brought in new, more exclusive designer jewelry, new cutting-edge fashion, forward rings, earrings, bands, bracelets, pendants, things you can't find anywhere else. So I want you to go over there after the show or sometime this month and check out their gallery because it is spectacular. Genesis Diamonds over at Poplar and Perkins Extended. We'll be right back. Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com. And welcome back to the morning show. Imagine telling your friends that you were born in a McDonald's parking lot. (laughs) Do you get like free McDonald's for the rest of your life? I would hope so. Because that's exactly what happened to this little guy, this little baby, but was born on January 12th and has now received some clever nicknames as a result of being born in a McDonald's parking lot. So I've got the story. Family is from Wisconsin. You have the mom. Her name is Annalisa. She's a Muskego resident. She starts having contractions late in the night. This was a Sunday into a uh, a Monday. She wakes up her husband, calls the hospital. She says in a Fox News digital piece that we pulled for the morning show, the hospital kept on asking her all of these questions like, are you going to want this in the procedure? And she just responded immediately, an epidural. But that never happened because as they were en route to the hospital, the baby came. Babies ultimately decide when it's time, don't they? (laughs) So they pull their car off to the nearest location they could find, and it just so happened to be a McDonald's. So she jumps in the back of the SUV, literally laying back in the trunk of that vehicle. The husband jumps out beside. She said, husband handled the situation very well, comforting the entire time. Halfway through, and this was her quote, I was lying in our trunk and I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening at a McDonald's. I can't believe it. So she calls, the paramedics are on their way. But by the time the paramedics arrived on scene, The baby boy was already crowning. He was already halfway out. And in her words, she 
quote, pushed, and within minutes, the paramedics pretty much ran in and caught the baby. <laughs> baby just falls out. She wasn't able to hold the, the baby in the ambulance when they took her to the hospital because he was a preemie. Now, he w- arrived into this world two weeks early, and he also arrived when the city of Muskego got hit by a snowstorm, which resulted in over 15 inches of snow, prompting several nicknames for the little boy. I guess they're calling him McFlurry now. Some other people had some suggestion. What do we call this kid born in a McDonald's parking lot? Mickey D's? <laughs> McBaby. Oh, that is a brilliant one. Little McBaby. Or we could do hmm, a small fry. What about that? He's going to live with that for the rest of the, uh, his life. Now, there was one paramedic that spoke to Fox News, and she said this. We'll wrap up. For me, and this is her quote, there are people who go through the fire service for 30 plus years, and they won't ever deliver a baby. So I thought that night was super cool. That is super cool, but I don't know how that plays out well for the baby. I mean, that is very cool. You know, in college, Dylan, the professor, you're getting ready to start your classes. Unfortunately, they're still, are you back to school? University of Memphis has, uh, they're still online until what, next Monday? Well, right now it's till Friday. but yeah, yeah. till Friday. You know the first week of classes and the professor asks you a couple questions. You have to introduce yourself to the class. The worst thing ever, especially for bashful people like me. Right. I hate <laughs> I'm, that. I hate I, I'm it. kidding, obviously, but Dylan and I are very different people. No, I hate telling people a fun fact about myself. That's the first thing they want to know. Introducing myself. Share a fun fact about you. What do you say? I'm putting you on the spot. I say I can never uh, not spill coffee when I'm driving in the car. Like, I can't drink coffee when I'm driving in the car. That's not really a fun fact. I know that because I've, I've ridden with Dylan and there's coffee spills all over his console. That's okay. This kid will not have a problem with that. No, that is the go-to answer. I was born in a McDonald's parking lot and my name is actually not Kenny. It's Little Fry. Mick or it's Nugget. Small Fry. McBaby. <laughs> Mick Kenny. Mick Kenny. I don't know what I said. I think I always say I'm blind in one eye. And everybody goes, oh, wait, can you see? And of course, I want all the attention. So everybody after class is running up and holding their hand in front of my face. Right. Yes, I can see. I'm just blind in one eye. It's Close totally, one eye. Tell us if totally you can cool. see. I don't know. But you know that first week of class, it's always so nerve-wracking. They come around, and they're reading down through the list. Mm. And they start alphabetical order. So they're to C, and then they're D, and your heart's just like... You got to stand up. to stand up. That's the worst. I don't want to be there. It's the worst. Okay. Speaking of school, I have an alarming report because I don't know. It was rain, shine. I went to school. My parents were sticklers. It didn't matter if I was sick. I was still going to school. (laughs) This report just came out and it's the Washington Post. They wrote the report and they were leaning in their reporting from statistics by the National Center for Education Statistics. And they published this alarming report that shows high rates of absenteeism after the COVID pandemic year. What they're saying, Dylan, is that 10% of school students in America are chronically absent, meaning they are out of school for at least 18 days. That's appalling. That's a lot of of time to be out. You're missing a lot of information. Where are the parents is my question. There should be parent driving that kid to school i mean i don't know about you but if i missed the bus because it was my fault not only would my parents drive me to school it did not matter and then i have to pay for the gas to get there yeah i think people got so used to being online that they just didn't think that they have to be physically at school 
But once that started coming back, they're like, no, this you got to be here. I'm telling you, we screwed up yeah. with that pandemic. It's and it's going to sh- toll on a lot. Of it's going to show in, in, in for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. These kids that went through two years of virtual learning, virtual learning my butt. Kids cannot learn virtually. Maybe one class every other two months. But you've got to have that in-person instruction. Yeah. It makes so much difference. You, you have no idea what people are doing behind the screen. Dude, they kicked me out of school in 20... I, I'll never forgive Anthony Fauci for this. I was a poli-sci major. It was 2020. I was a junior. And I took my classes and my laptop and I moved right back home. I did not learn one thing and still had to pay full tuition. Yeah. Pretty it insane. It takes twice the amount of work, in my opinion, because I'm the same way. I have to be in person if I'm actually going to learn. I get way too distracted. If I'm sitting in a class and I can't be on my phone, like most classes do, this is the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's really, really sad that we're still leaning on virtual instruction. Hey, before we scoot to break, big shout out to our KWAM listeners for showing up and packing out that event last night to hear FBI whistleblower Steve friend he was a guest on todd's national show he is the host of the american radical podcast also author of the true blue that is the latest book and as i mentioned a former state and federal law enforcement officer he was in town and you guys showed up and it was a it was a great showing so congrats on that in the morning we are going to have the results of our police chief does she get the votes she needs to keep her job or will she be fired It's a huge day for our city and could mean better things if we do the right thing. And I think, in my opinion, she's got to go. That does it for the morning show. KWAMradio.com is our website. Don't change the dial. Armstrong and Getty. So many comments about people enjoying the fun, humorous side of that show. And, of course, the Todd Starn Show at 11 to 2. Do not miss Todd's last hour that is simulcast on N2, Newsmax 2. Then Sebastian Gorka and the Earl Farrell for Memphis show coming up at 3 o'clock. Guys, stay safe out there. Enjoy your day. Grab an umbrella, rain boots, before you head out because we're going to see that rain stick around today, tomorrow, pretty much all week. And it's better than snow. We'll see you guys bright and early tomorrow morning starting at 7.